At the beginning of the month, I mentioned Rick Chandler in his film Parts Unknown, which was a pick for my Friday episodes. I had recorded this chat with Rick the night before I actually got to watch his film Parts Unknown. And once again, if you're in for a real trip of a movie, check that one out. I believe it's on Amazon and streaming on Tubi. Check out all that Rick has to offer. I left a link to where to find his projects in the show notes. He is the walking definition of an independent filmmaker, and he proves that by the things he talks about in the second half of this show. So enjoy, and welcome to the basement. Rick Chandler. What's going on? Welcome to the basement, my friend. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm happy you're here. Happy to finally meet you. We were just talking before I hit record. Uh, I've known of you for like 10 years. And here we are, a filmmaker out of Boston. Uh, you do a lot now. I'm just going to kiss your ass for like the first three minutes of this episode, I guess. But <laughs> I'm flattered. <laughs> um, but like, no, like I, I kind of I always I'm from Western Mass. And like I always tried to get like on gigs out and on sets like out in Boston and whatnot. And I don't know, I, I never really I never really worked out. But I always like saw I'm like this guy, Rick Chandler is doing like some different shit. And I actually I kind of dig it. I kind of dig it. But let's let me go back to about I, I restrained myself a little bit from talking about this, but it was 10 years ago. I was a sound. I was a boom operator on a, like a independent horror movie. I didn't get paid on called Goth Child 2. And that's he's making a cringe. It's <laughs> um, that I that I worked on and like you were somewhat behind. I don't even know, but you were in like the Facebook group on it. You were like, how much do you want to hear about this? Uh, I mean, like, let's, I, I, I'm, there's no way I'm on the radar of anybody that put that, made shit hit the fan on that thing. But uh, I don't know. You you tell me whatever, whatever, whatever you want to okay. tell me. This is like a weird. So at the time I was making Scrooge in the Hood, I'd probably get canceled now if anyone watched it, but uh, we were making it. And the director of the Scoff Child movie was, he, he was an extra in one of the club scenes mm-hmm. and he showed up and he, you know, he, he was kind of quiet. He was like a heavy set version of Danzig. You know, he had the glasses on. The yeah, dude, that's a good comparison. He never really talked. He just kind of chilled and I thought all was well, you know, I was like, all right, that's fine. And then he just like a week later, he deleted me from Facebook and, all this drama happened on this this movie you just mentioned, this movie set. And I'm like, what's it have to, why? I was like, what? what's my connection to it? Because I was never even on that set. Yeah. It was on mine. And um, I asked some mutual friends. I was like, what's the, what happened? I'm like, what's the connection? And they were like, oh, he just said that, like, you know, it was like this weird thing where like he needed to be respected on your set. And I was like, what's that mean? Like, what did I, like, 
what had happened to him though and like <laughs> there was not a specific story it was um i guess he just felt like he needed uh you know a little special treatment um i don't know it's like a sometimes it's a one-man band you know yeah i i don't remember the guy's name and we'll just i don't know yeah i don't remember name. it either um but like because i remember i heard when i was working on you know his movie that he was producing and starring in uh I just, I just remember there was like some problems going on behind the scenes and he was involved. And uh, next thing I know, like I got a Facebook message from him the night before, like everything just collapsed on the project. And I think he was trying to recruit me to like come help on the project as it continued without like certain people on it. Yeah. And I didn't even really know him. Like I was on set like three or four times i was still in school I, I was i was a young kid just trying to work on some movies at the time and i knew the director and um she got fired <laughs> like and like everybody like chose her side basically like yo fuck you and but anyway that's uh that's a all right that i just i don't know i thought i'd maybe bring that up just kick off the show but here you are i've been i've watched a few of your films <laughs> Um, I think first one I ever saw was uh, Gilgamesh when you were like promoting it, the shit out of it like five years ago, which was a dope fucking, that, that was a dope fucking flick. And you got, I, what's his name from the, from the Sopranos in it? Uh, yeah. I almost said James Gianolfini. No, uh, Joe <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, just like, I don't know, just talk to me. Like, how'd you, your, your director, producer, photographer, you got like your own like kind of punk rock like travel show it seems which we're gonna like get it if that's how you want me to word it i mean i, I like that that's actually kind of a cool just, i don't know i'm getting sick of seeing you know karen from on a and e going to coffee shops in tennessee and you know describing yeah. the lattes and you know, i you got to change it up a bit but like what's your story how'd you kind of i don't know just just well, go back to the beginning for me uh, I feel like I'm talking to a shrink now. Um, the Sometimes beginning, the episodes turn into that, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's 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 fine. I don't get to t- I don't get to talk much anymore. I'm like uh, in solitary confinement or something. So um, it's good. It's good to talk about film. You know, people see me post, but I don't think I often get to explain myself. Um, I think back back. Oh man, it was a long time ago. Now you know we're talking like 2006. Uh, I was writing, you know, I, I was just writing and my whole thing was writing and in, in characterization, I wanted to see the characters come to life. So then I got into directing and producing and I didn't even want to direct. I just wanted to produce. Um, and every director I hired just didn't show up. So it got to the point where I was like, well, I guess I'm doing this. Um, kind of, you know, goes back to our friend from golf child, you know, there's a lot of strange personalities and, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll do it myself. And, um, you know, we had like a crew of four people back then. It was crazy. And um, shooting on mini DV and, you know, and and, and then after that kind of came, you know, we did some comedies, which are probably very offensive now. And then we transitioned into, you know, the Gilgamesh and the, the more horror stuff. Mm-hmm. And who's like we, I know you got your own like little, like brand oh but well it's it the company's called boston film family and then i recently kind of started calling the horror aspect of it boston undead just 
So when people Google me, they can see that this, it, it's like, it became a thing where people were, people were like Googling me to like hire me for like a headshot or a wedding. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, can I swear in the show? Yeah, dude, go go the fuck ahead, man. All right, I always I always ask because I never know. Sometimes YouTube will be weird and <laughs> stuff, but yeah, I um, I forgot what I was because oh yeah, they'll find like some like you know scantily clad, bloody nun, and they'll get mad and they'll be like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "All right, I gotta like somehow create two brands here." So that's the deal. <laughs> that's crazy. That's uh, to go on the uh. This is just, like I said before I started recording, a mutual friend of ours and a collaborator of mine, Dave Zagorski, told me you were going to be quite a hoot and we were going to talk <laughs> a lot about like nun horror. So <laughs> um, just to kind of when Dave listens to this to make him happy, like what what I mean, I know of like the subgenre a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a, a fucking Einstein at it, but <laughs> what is this nun horror? I guess nunsploitation was a thing in the 70s yeah. where it was like nuns doing bad things like either killing people or like being scantily clad. Um, I haven't quite made a movie like that, but um, I have had some sexier nuns and clergy in my movies. <laughs> so we'll say, we'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what's up. Um, so what's like, I mean, I, I kind of get the vibe, your taste in film and, but, you know, at the same time, people get my vibe and taste in film, but I can shock them with some stuff. I mean, I have so many friends that didn't know I was really into like grindhouse double feature day stuff. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons why I always wanted to talk to you. Cause you seem to kind of have that style with everything, even in your photography that you do um just i don't know name off like filmmakers you've kind of just watched religiously stuff you go back to uh anything that inspires you when i was really young i think the inspiration as strange as this sounds because it's it's evolved so much over time was probably more like either the, the george lucas movies or um something almost like grindhouse with like action you know with schwarzenegger like the body count movies. Yeah. A lot of people think my inspiration is probably pure horror, but I didn't really get into those like hard to find, you know, VHS grind exploitation type movies until this past like maybe eight years because they, I, I, you couldn't really find them. You know, they were hard to find until, um, you know, now you can dig for them on Amazon prime or two. Oh, it's a huge Renaissance now on the internet. Yeah. It was yeah. like, but yeah, for a while it was more mainstream body count stuff. So, like eighties, nineties. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Now, the reason why I wanted to have you on is you have like a YouTube series right now, deliciously decayed. Yes. Uh, this like this caught my eye that, and obviously, I'm trying to do a lot of kind kind of horror stuff for the month of October. Cause I think I initially jumped at it with thinking like, um, should, is this like, is he, is he going on fucking ghost hunts now or something like this guy's doing everything. But, <laughs> um, yeah. 
but um no it's actually kind of like a cool little like i mean you're kind of it seems like you're staying in the new england area for the most part but um like it's kind of like a cool little punk rock travel show i mean like how did you kind of think of this well this kind of has its own story too because um the you know the beginning of 2020 there was no way to shoot anything Mm -hmm. uh maybe a little bit of photography but i certainly couldn't uh couldn't work on any any movie sets so me and um my girlfriend started going to abandoned places and at the time the cops were too busy to care we didn't realize what we were getting even getting into because we didn't realize that things would be so guarded just a couple months later so we were like wandering into all these asylums and we took it for granted and then like you know i started just dicking around recording a little bit of video just because i was bored and then we were like we saw other other things like other you know ghost hunter stuff and you can't even it's so bad like you can't see anybody it's like pitch black you know and we're just like hey what if we actually like just lit things and actually showed people what was here and talked about the history of it since new england's kind of old and it has all this like old stuff why don't we actually just take this in a different direction um maybe not just to freak people out but just to kind of like show them what's going on i noticed you added some some light because you didn't want to be in the dark anymore it's uh it's getting dark down here in florida oh you're in florida yeah i've been down here for a few years weren't you shooting something up here uh i've been trying to but it's okay i'm going through waves and waves and waves you get of yeses and nos and you know you get the you get the, okay. you get the process. I thought, <laughs> no, I, saw, I thought I saw a picture of you somewhere, and I was like, "Oh, but I don't know. Maybe you were posting about shooting something in Florida." I, don't uh, I still can't even shoot anything in Florida, man. It's I mean, it's weird because like you know everything's been open. Like COVID didn't exist down here, but you know, <laughs> um, I heard that. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, what oh, what else right. about the the show? Yeah, so it's kind of like we're treating it almost like a dark history type thing. You know, it's like there's the sit-down interviews. We're kind of explaining the history. But we're also going on site and, like, just showing the architecture and, you know, where somebody dumped a body sort of stuff. That's called Deliciously Decayed. It's on the Boston Undead YouTube. Yeah, man. It's... um, it's. I noticed, I think it was in, it's in the opening credits. I haven't seen all the episodes, but did you guys go to, um, is it Holy Land? Yeah. Yeah. We, in we Waterbury. Uh, yeah. We haven't done a, an episode on there yet, but we did, we went there. I did, I did like a photo shoot there and I think I've been there. I don't know why I want to say three times, but I want to, we, we want to do a full episode on it because it's awesome. It's uh, cause my, I mean, my now wife, she, when we were dating, she, she had a residency at a hospital in Waterbury, Connecticut. And it, it doesn't make that place. So for listeners, uh, if you ever happen to drive through Waterbury, Connecticut, there is, I've never been up there by the way, but, um, you driving down 84 and you see this giant cross just overlooking the town. I don't know what's the point of it it's kind of spooky it's kind of eerie it's 
maybe it's just super religious or something. I don't, well, you said you've been there a few times, right? Yeah, I did a, a, a nun photo shoot there about this. Okay, time. no, I need to hear about this now. <laughs> yeah, I did a nun photo shoot with uh, apocalyptic nuns. And um, yeah, before that, me, me and my girlfriend, uh, we, you know, we just went through it. We just looked in all the, the nooks and crannies. And yeah, it was, it was like a religious theme park, pretty much. I mean, no rides, but they had, you know, all the, like the, like the, um, Oh man, what do you like? I guess like different things from the Bible. They had like little, they have like miniatures of it, like the Tower of Babel, the you know crucifixion. They have like little. It's like a little mini Jerusalem. It, it's 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 weird. It's something that like, yeah, it's weird. It's out of place where it is. It, you don't feel like that's like you. It almost feels like you're in a foreign country for five minutes. It's very strange. Because Connecticut isn't. I mean, look, I've just been in the South for too long that. I, I talk to people and I, I got nothing against anybody's religion, but you talk to some people and down here and it's like, Whoa, buddy, pump the brakes. But they have a place here where I'm at, I'm in the Orlando area and it's actually like an amusement park for, for Jesus. And I think it's, it's called Holy land. It's shut down because of COVID. They, they couldn't pray it away. Um, so, but I think a hospital down here, uh, bought it out but yeah that place has always seemed kind of weird to me connecticut doesn't strike me as a very you know good old christian kind of place um you mentioned your photography i do just kind of have a couple questions about you know because you have a very again eclectic taste with what you're looking for in your in your photos and i mean how did you how did you do how did you decide like take me back to the beginning with being a photographer Oh, I, I, I knew a lot of actors, you know, and I was like, they were, they were doing shoots with a lot of people, photographers and, you know, photographers are, they're weird or they're not, they weren't showing up, you know? And I was like, well, I'm noticing like, a trend here. <laughs> yeah, that is a, that is a trend, unfortunately. Um, but um, yeah, I was like, I should do this. I know all these people. And um, that was kind of, I think that was the, the thought process and, gave me a bit of an advantage, you know, and now we're, we're just so deep into the, the weird locations. It's worked out pretty well. Well, I, I think it's all, and I'm just going to kiss your ass here again. You have kind of a niche, like, look, not, not like you, your, your art, everything you create, your films, your photography. And I think it just separates itself a lot from, you know, kind of what's going on like, you know, up in, filmmaking going on up in boston i'm not trying to knock any filmmakers up in boston but um i don't know that's just kind of one of the reasons why i, I noticed you but noticed your noticed your work but um um so i just kind of wanted to do like a little speed round here like just some of the movies that have made you like with what you do just just riff with me a little bit what what films have inspired you uh, to get into filmmaking. I should have gave you that for homework early on. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't. I think yeah, it's like um. Oh man, I don't. I don't know why no titles are coming to mind. Only actors, but uh. Like I guess like you know Escape from New York, Cobra, oh. um, Commando, you know that type of stuff. 
Okay. Commando. Yeah. Uh, when was like the first time you saw Commando? Probably like when I was pretty young, I would say like, I was freaked out by it, you know, because <laughs> I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger cut the guy's arm off and like, I wasn't used to seeing that level of gore. And I was like, that would happen. And I remember my, my dad being like, yeah, that would happen. Just I keep want- watching a bunch of people get shot. Cause I remember my, I, my brother who's probably, sh- I, I, I always say on this show, I've been introduced to, I was introduced to a lot of like action and horror at a young age that I probably should have never saw. Uh, I, this is a reoccurring theme. I saw the Terminator when I was four. And so like my, my introduction to sex was Linda Hamilton and uh, Michael Bean. Um, but Commando, my, my brother had that like on religiously. And I remember thinking there's something just awfully good and bad about this movie. And you realize there's a few like there's like a handful of movie mistakes in it. We talked about me and Dave Zagorski talked about this in a previous episode. But did you notice in um, was it the car chase with Sully? The uh, the Porsche like flips over. And uh, after he kills Sully. Uh, the Porsche is completely fucking fine. I see that a lot in movies from that time period. Like I, I see a lot of like a lot of things where like all this, like something that blew up is like, you can see it in the background and stuff. And it's, it's, it's weird. Cause like if that happened now, people would like call the movie out and say it's the worst thing they've ever seen. Yeah. But like back then they'd just be like, I don't care. It was awesome. They look cool. The, uh, on that in that exact movie on the island when he detonates all those whatever buildings on the base it's clearly a mini model it clearly looks yeah. like something out of a godzilla <laughs> film but you mentioned something like you know a lot of people criticize stuff that isn't like you know from the 80s like i was watching a couple of years ago with a friend we were watching pumpkin head the very first one i don't know if you've seen it but yeah yeah um like how much of a puppet that is the actual demon creature. And it's like, would I fucking want to see that as CGI? No, like it, exactly. It, it's, it just, it doesn't, there's a lot of things that happen in those films of that era that I think are criticized, but I kind of go like, well, maybe that's just the filmmaker working stuff out in his head and how he thinks it would. Cause I mean, I've never seen anybody die. God forbid. I don't know how someone's going to look when they die. I don't know how some, if a, something horrible and bloody happens, I don't know how that's really going to look. So I actually kind of prefer to see things more practical. I don't know about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm not really a fan of realistic gore. Um, yeah. I like the kind of eighties, nineties, you know, explosive squibs and the, like the whole building blows up and, you know, you have the practical effects of, of like, the monster effects and stuff, you know. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm even answering that question, but no, no, you're good, man. It's all good. First film I ever saw of yours was Gilgamesh, and it's been a while since I've seen it. I think I rented it or something on Amazon Prime. But um, like, how did that thing come together? Like, I remember when you were promoting it, that just felt like I don't know. It just felt like kind of something big. There was a lot going on. Just Talk to me about how that all came together. That was really the height of film 
here, I feel. Because at that point, you had studios trying to open and everybody really wanted to get in on whatever they could in preparation for that. And I had made a couple movies at that point and Gilgamesh was like, probably, it probably had the highest budget for anything I worked on, even though most of the movies money was only a couple people's. It wasn't really like, there wasn't like a massive investor, but I think um, originally we did try to make it even bigger. You know, we were hoping for like $70,000 or something. Of course we didn't, we didn't get that, but it felt at the time, like we, we went big because at the time, I think that it, the world was different. And if you yeah. had a really good idea, there was, you know, you can promote it and people would almost be like, I'm going to, I'm going to generally share this because I like it. You know, now it's just like memes get shared. That's it. You know? So, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's cool. I mean, I'm not knocking it, but it's, it's just I'm guilty. Yeah. Everybody is. And it's a different, it's just a different lifestyle. And I think back then it was like, we had the, you know, we really, really thought we could pull it off. I think we had a lot less money. It may have been like 18 grand, but that was a lot for anything I ever did. And um, yeah, it felt like a big deal at, at the time. I mean, it, it had like, it had like, like 200 extras on it or something ridiculous. It was like, I could barely control it, you know, but people were so respectful on that project. It was possible. Like they really wanted to be there and do it. You know, another thing, I don't know if I can recreate it, you know, everybody, an extra wants like $200 a day. And it's just like, dude, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not, who, who makes movies, Adam Sandler or whatever. Like, how could I do that? How could I do like if everybody paid me the money I'm owed from the rentals, like I could probably do it, but nobody, you know, their overhead has stopped that, you know? So it's like, I can't, you know? So it was a, it was a different era back then. I was thinking about that recently. And I'm like, man, Gilgamesh was in a couple of years after I'm like, I don't think I could ever recreate the interest on a local level. Like I did then, you know, it'd be so tough. I, I'm going to reach out here, filmmaker to filmmaker. Um, I completely feel you because um, 2012, I, I've, here I go again, but 2012, I made a feature film on $2,000 called it the station. It was right after I got out of working on uh, that horror film we talked about at the top of the show. And like, I kind of took my knowledge of what not to do on a movie. And this was me and a handful of my friends just scraping to whatever we can together with gear. And I'm getting to a point here with what you said. Sorry if I'm stretching it out, but um, you know, we went, we made the film, we crowdfunded and everything, yada, yada, yada. And it's a $2,000 movie that looks like a $2,000 movie. Like nothing I can do about it. But I remember after we did a big premiere at like an 800 seat theater in Northampton, Massachusetts, and we pretty much packed the place. My dad told me the next day and he's like, how in the fuck did you market this? And I was like, I don't know, Facebook shares, whatever. We put it up online, almost put stuff up online about it almost every day. And people got behind it and we shot it in a little small town and people just supported it. And to this day, 
I try to get back to that level when I have a project I'm working on. Mind you, the podcast here has been doing you know pretty well on social media, but I just feel like when I have something going or if I'm crowdfunding something, this is one of the reasons why I don't like crowdfunding anymore because I, I just feel like it doesn't hit like how that project did. And it's a pain in the ass and I'm sorry for ranting. <laughs> no, it's, it's, that's, that's the way it is now. Yeah. Um, I've done a couple movies since and although they felt like a big deal in their own right for different reasons. Um, it's tough to keep the momentum going. Like when Gilgamesh came out for distribution, for instance, when it was on Amazon and all that, like the cast kept promoting it. Like they kept mm -hmm. being like, this is like, check this out. This is awesome. Well, it was everywhere. I mean, that's why I just jumped at it when it came out. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to get that going now. Like stuff comes out and people are just like, cool. And then they just move on to like, whatever, you know, I don't know if that's just like the culture now where everything is streaming, 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 streaming. You know, it's almost like they didn't even care if they're in a movie. They've just seen so much shit, like one thing after another, after another. And it's like, no, it doesn't even sink in. You know what I mean? And I, so I, I don't know. It, and then once COVID hit, it was like, it's so hard to get anything over. It's just like, I don't know if I could do features anymore here in Boston. I don't know if it's possible. And uh, that's, that's, that freaks people out when I say that. I'm like, well, I'm not quitting. Because people think it's that's just harder. It's just harder. It's just, I might have, you know, I have to switch, switch directions a little bit. It's not possible to, to do what I was doing. Like people don't, they don't stick to an idea anymore. They're just, you know. I mean, the amount of people that, I mean, you bring up how everybody just goes, cool. You know, there's so many people that tell me, oh, I listen, I, I love the show, but they don't listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get that too. It's just like, dude, what you're doing, man, or you, what you're doing, man, it's just without, and they're like, I, I haven't seen, I haven't watched anything, but it's just like, what the fuck? Well, I'm about to be that guy because you have a movie I've really wanted to see, but I haven't seen it. I want to talk about parts unknown. Okay. Like what, what's, uh, I don't know. Just like Gilgamesh. Like how did, how did this thing kind of come together? It should be on Amazon. If it's not for free on Prime, it's for free on Tubi for sure. Um, but uh, Parts Unknown is like, I always wanted to put horror and wrestling together. Yeah. Um, in recent times, you know, a lot of the dark side of the ring on Vice has become very popular. And before that was around, um, you know, I knew of all these stories, you know, all this, this like super dark stuff that happened. And I said, you know, what if we take that, but we just make it fictional and, you know, put it in a, a horror world in its own world where wrestling is even more violent than it is. And not like WWE wrestling, like, um, cause we freaked some people out. Like they, they, they went to the theater to watch this and they, people walked up to me after and they were like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like this was, that was one of the only premieres where I, I was seriously scared. Um, Cause people went in, they thought it was going to be this like hokey, you know, Hulk Hogan screaming into the lens type thing. And people yeah. got brutally killed and they were like, what the, f and I'm just like, yeah, well it's, it's in like a horror verse. It's, it's just centers around wrestling and like death match wrestling, which is, which is, has been popular. And yeah. Has Japanese, bred a uh, Japanese death matches and yep. 
you can find them all on YouTube now. It's, I mean, there's a lot of, I'll let you keep going about your movie, but uh, I mean, there's a lot of like mainstream wrestlers that that's how they got their start, like Mick Foley and whatnot. No, I always wanted to check it out. It always, I remember you, first of all, your graphic design team, or if it's you, if it's you, congratulations. Cause a, pretty much a lot of every, every film you've put out has a popping poster. And I thought parts unknown. I mean, it has that neon look to it, which I think people love. I just, I don't know. I kind of dug it, but I haven't gotten around to it. Sorry to say on this show, but I will. It's okay. A lot of people haven't watched it yet. It had like a really weird, I wish it didn't come out like when it did. I wish it came out now. They just held it off. Came out at a rough time. There was a lot of stuff going on in the world. And I think a lot of people couldn't focus. When did it come out? Came out some uh, summer of 2020. So it was like the worst time possible. Yeah. <laughs> no one wanted to talk about indie film, you know, um, especially something kind of violent and offensive. So now people have calmed down a little. They're kind of like, oh, hey, what's this all about? But I've been trying to promote it here and there, plug it here and there, keep it going, keep it alive. But mm-hmm um we kind of touched on this where we were going with you know how just everything's kind of changing with getting indie films made but as an independent filmmaker um you know a guy who's pretty much in charge of his own brand it seems like where do you think the future is in independent or micro budget filmmaking or a little bit of the both Unless there is a major renaissance with the grindhouse stuff, I think it's on its way out. Um, That was my bread and butter. And I think in this past year, it's been really hard to make a movie that's over the top. People would watch it because it was over the top because it wasn't on, it's what wasn't on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, I almost feel like people, I don't know if people know what they want right now. Um, cause obviously I can't make what's on Netflix. Like I can't match those million dollar budgets. And I think a lot of people kind of think that I can, I don't think they realize how high some of those streaming budgets are. I think that they're thinking that they're like a hundred thousand. So I could like find a way to compete with it. They're not, um, they're mass, you know, they're, they have like Hollywood actors in them now. And obviously I'm just using people. I know it's, there's only, it's the only one way to do it. So <laughs> That's not a knock on the actors. I mean, you could say the same for me as a director. I'm, I'm sure the movies would look better if somebody else directed it too. Um, you know, or had a, had a crew, you know, a crew that was more than like six people. You know, it's like the way it is. I'm not saying I'd replace anybody. I'm just saying it's, if there's more people, you would have a smoother product. And um, yeah, it goes for me too. You know, I'm wearing too many hats and it gets things get fucky and uh i think it's tough it's tough to wear those hats now with people's attitudes they expect things to be like very instant and that's just our culture now i don't know how to like gain that interest in anything people are afraid to promote things because facebook is so explosive you know if you say the wrong thing somebody's going to come at you and be like what would you mean by that and I mean, I don't even mean politics. It's, I mean, people think that's what I mean. And yeah, if you go into that realm, of course, you're going to get attacked. But sometimes it's not even politics. It's like people are just, they don't watch the movie. They misinterpret a scene or they just get really mad now. And 
they hashtag things and you know i'm like i don't know how indie horror is going to push the envelope like it used to because people view it as too much now i don't know if they're even horror fans i don't know if this is just people want something to complain about it's, it's really hard to say you know I, I can't say where it's coming from maybe covid anger um but i had two movies released this year and it's like I promoted them, but I was like definitely scared too at times. I won't lie. Cause just, I never knew who was going to pipe on and be like, Oh yeah. Well, I'm traumatized by this scene now. Fuck you. And it's like, isn't that what like it's supposed to do though? I mean, I'm like saying it's fucked up I mean, we're not hiding it, but um, it's weird. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'd say web content is the direction to go in for people that have my budget. And uh, some people have already told me I am a sellout piece of shit for saying things like that. Um, and the only thing I have to say to them is go make a feature length horror movie and we'll see how it works out for you right now in 2021. It's not, it's not easy. <laughs> I'm kind of in that boat with you right now, but it's definitely a different, um, it's weird because from my side, I definitely see your point. From my side of the table, I was always trying to, I don't even know why I said that metaphor, but I, I've for like a decade now, I've always been trying to get scripts read and get, you know, pitches and whatnot and everything. And I cannot keep, I could never keep up with what was going on in the industry to get something made. So I would go try to do my own little things. And even then I didn't get a lot. And the next thing I know I'm working in television, which is there's dogs yipping outside. So, um, but where I was going with that is like once COVID hit and like, I'm in my office all day writing and all of a sudden, you know, there's all these opportunities to pitch and do these zoom pitches and whatnot. And I was like, fuck it. Hell yeah. Here's my chance. And, you know, I pitched nonstop pretty much through the quarantine and still nothing really, really happened. But I noticed kind of once everything kind of went back, there was just a shift in the industry and everything kind of felt like it was, you know, on the ground floor. Now everything had to work itself back up. So, yeah. I mean, I hope personally for me and for a guy like you, like, you know, maybe we're going to go make these piss poor, low budget things that don't make a lot of money but at least we're making stuff and, you know, maybe we have to keep a desk job somewhere for a couple more years. <laughs> and, but hopefully it's, you know, the beginning of something new for young indie filmmakers and whatnot. I don't really know what I'm really trying to say there, but I'm, I'm pretty much, I've, I feel like the industry's kind of reset itself and it's going to fucking yeah. suck for a while. Yep. But eventually something's going to kick into gear, maybe in five years. And um, hopefully the right people, you know, I will, whoever's in the mix um, will probably, you know, shoot up and make some cool shit. And I don't know. Hopefully that's me or you, whatever. I was trying to explain that to my girlfriend a couple of days ago. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to explain this to somebody. But I was like, it's kind of like nothing makes sense right now. And it doesn't yeah. make sense why it doesn't make sense. It just, nobody's really that sure of what to do 
from the people at the very top to people like us, to people just starting out, nobody has any idea. So I think it's just created this sea of despair now where like people are uninspired. And at first I said, well, that's my opportunity, you know? Yeah. Somebody's got to call me, right? Because I'm still out there doing it and other people aren't. And yeah, it's just still, you know, I'm still kind of in the same boat of, uh, well, what do I try now? You know, and I'm like, all right. I'm getting a little old for that, but what are you going to do? But despite like COVID, like if you forget about the fact that there was a virus, even though it's, you know, COVID, but like, I feel like that this past year and a half just kind of exposed really like kind of what you said, like, you know, nobody really knows, you know, what we're doing. Like nobody really knows, like all these high up people at, you know, big billion dollar jobs, they're just as flawed as some guy mopping the floors. You know, it's just got to take a certain circumstance to expose that. And I think with a year of everybody, you know, yelling at each other on the internet, you know, now we're kind of maybe all taking a chill pill and trying to figure out the next step. And something like that with society affects all different kinds of industries. And, you know, I guess that's where we're at in film. I didn't think we'd get that philosophical here tonight, man. (laughs) I've been doing this a lot. I guess I apologize if you didn't want to go into that direction, but I've no, because I think it actually worked really well. Okay. I've been like weird lately. I've been, you know, somebody will like talk about their next project and I'm like, well, and I just get into like a whole big lesson of like despair. And I'm like, all right, people don't want to hear that. No, I'm, I'm in that boat right now too. But, um, all right, Rick. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Do you have, I, I know I got your link tree up right here behind the, uh, the zoom here. Is there anything you want to plug where we can, we, uh, stalk you on the internet? Well, definitely check out deliciously decayed. That was yes. the, the, um, quote unquote travel punk rock tra- travel show that's on Boston Undead's uh, YouTube. And if you go on Boston Undead on other social media, you can find us too. So that would be cool. And yeah, check out Hearts Unknown, but only if you like fucked up movies on Tubi. I'm going to watch it tonight and I'm going to hit you up later. Let you know how I feel. Good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate you. It was nice to finally meet you for the first yeah, time. Yeah, this, this was a first time meeting, which is also extremely odd. That's weird. I know. I know. I think we, I think it, it took a, I was, I, it, it took a little bit, but it definitely, I think we're going to end this on a really, really good note, but. um, It took a year and a half into a pandemic. That's what it took. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on. And uh, as for all of you, you know the routine. Subscribe, like, share this episode, leave a comment, leave me a good rating, leave me a bad rating. I don't fucking care anymore. But uh, (laughs) take care. See you next week.